listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. The ushers are coming forward and they have Bibles and they have kids packs. And so I encourage you, if you don't have a Bible, to raise your hand and they would love to get a Bible into your hand. We believe the Bible is transformational. When you take and you read it and you apply it to your life, all of it, not just the parts you like, and you apply it to your life, there's a transformation that takes place. Amen? Amen? The Word of God has power. And, and so we'd love for you to have that, kids. There's stuff for you to follow along, and there's going to be a chart right away, and you're going to have to be fast when you fill that out because it's only going to be up for a short time. So, kids, I'm giving you that little warning right away, all right? It's great to have you in the service here with us, and you get to follow along and, and uh, take some notes, and I trust even in the car afterwards. On your way home, you can even discuss what we talked about and see if your parents... Your grandparents were listening, all right? So, so that would be a great thing for, for you to do as we go along in this. Turning your Bibles to Psalm 95 as well as to Hebrews 10. We're going to look at Psalm 95 first, so, so find that and also get a little bookmark or something in um, Hebrews 10. Uh, one of the things you may want to use as a bookmark and, and have multiple amounts of these around are some of these little cards that help describe what we've been talking about and what we're going to continue to keep talking about in the weeks ahead. We are in this series together, and we believe, uh, as we look at this I Follow Christ series, the 5G Life, we believe solidly that all quality relationships require an investment of time. Don't you agree with that? If you're going to have a quality relationship with someone, it's going to take an investment of time. You're going to have to put some time into it. And, and we are in this, just such as I said, a foundational series as we're asking ourselves, what does it mean to follow Christ? What does a Christ follower look like here today living in uh, this part of Canada? And, and this is transferable all over the world. But, but for us here today, what does this look like to say, I follow Christ? And... Um, and we have three key words that we've been focusing on to really drive the theology, the biblical basis behind this. And, and it is abide and connects and shares. That a follower of Christ is someone who abides, connects, and shares. These three, these three words describe three key relationships that all involve time. They're going to take time, a commitment of time, uh, in order for us to, to follow in, in the footsteps of Christ and to live out through Christ's power in us the life that his word calls us to live out. And so what we've been talking about, most importantly, and, and bottom line, top one, it's at the very top, the, the most essential, the starting point is the abide. And encourage you, if you haven't listened to the messages on this, um, in this series so far, make sure that you listen to especially the Abide, but all of them. They, they all work together, and, and this is an important discipleship tool that, that can give great insight and help in, in how we can live an effective Christian life. I don't know about you, but oftentimes I can be frustrated thinking, okay, am I, you know, how am I doing in this area? Well, well this series is helping us to clarify and to, to analyze and to look at our lives and to shore up some some areas in our lives as well so that we can be functioning in the way that God calls us to function as, as followers of Jesus Christ. And, and, and the most important one is, is a Christ follower abides in Christ. We are connected to him in a personal, ongoing, deepening relationship. This isn't say it and forget it. This isn't say a prayer at a crusade or a summer camp and then forget it. Yeah, I'm good and now I get to go and pursue my hopes and my dreams. No, that's not what the, the Christian life is about. That's not what it means to abide in Christ. 
And it's an ongoing, deepening relationship with Jesus Christ. And we talked about how in order to abide in Christ, we need God time in our life. If, if we don't have God time, we can't abide. And that's what we talked about last week, a commitment of time. And each one of these, these messages have had some pretty bold statements that we've said uh, as we've gone along in this series. And, and we believe solidly that for the believer in Jesus Christ to be a follower of Christ, we need to have daily time with God. We need to have this God time as a part of our lives. And uh, this is just an essential part. And I trust that this week your God time has been one of growth, some encouragement, maybe some start. Maybe it, it, it started or restarted for you. Or maybe you still haven't gone anywhere with it. Encourage you to listen to last week's message perhaps once again. You need to also just just. Get busy in that area, and, and uh, also a tool that is very helpful if you say, I don't even know what to do. There's many good tools and resources. There's things available on our website, but you can get this booklet for $2 just at the info table after the service, and, and it just helps you just to, just some basic guidelines for getting your God time going. If you don't have $2, just take it and say, I'm good for it, uh, and, and we'll hunt you down. No, we won't. We'll just take and, take and trust you. will bring the money, throw it in the offer, do whatever. Even Just take it even. We just believe it's important for you to, to be in the Word of God and to be growing in your prayer life and, and in this God time in, in your own personal life. In that God time, as, as we even heard this weekend, as uh, I'll say a little bit more of it in a few moments as we had a men's gathering together this weekend, one of the guys that was preaching, he, he just summarized it so well that, that our God time consists of two important bookmarks. Yes, there's the study and the reading of God's word and the feeding in the word and the praying in God's word and praying for different things in our lives, but, but there's two important bookmarks and the first one is surrender, just surrendering ourselves to to, to Christ in a daily basis saying, oh God, I can't. God, I can't do it today. And it's realizing that the greatest enemy that exists in your life is not your spouse, it's not your teenager, it's not that person at work. The greatest enemy is you. And it's us thinking we can do it on our own. We can just plug through life and through the day without it. And it's coming before the Lord in humility and dependency and saying, God, I can't. I need you today. I just don't need you on Sunday when we sing that nice song, Lord, I need you, Lord, I need you. It's every day we need him. It's every hour we need him. And, and this God time is just, just it, again, it just isn't a God time to set it and forget it, you know, kind of have it. And then, but it's throughout the day then, just, just focusing our minds. And, and so there's the surrender, saying, God, I can't. And then there's the setting our minds on the things of Christ, setting our minds on things above. It's, it's, it, it's choosing where we're going to look. Are we going to look at our troubles and our fears, or are we going to look to God? And even as we battle temptation and sin, are we looking to those things to suck us under, or are we going to look to Jesus who says that I have made a way for you to escape from that temptation? And, and, uh, and so encourage you um, j- just to be growing and developing your God time. And, and uh, as you, you go through the day and as you have this God time, and just maybe this will help. Sometimes some of you are visual learners and some of you, well, you just need to learn. And, um, and, and you know, just taking you know, y- your life like this, I mean, this cup doesn't have a lot in it, but when we take daily and we, we get ourselves full 
of, of the word of God in our lives and, and, and we come in dependency and we spend time together as God's people in his word, that there's a strength and, and, and we're getting filled up with, with his strength and his power. And, and as that happens, it starts to overflow a little bit, right? Just remember when you come up here, band, afterwards, it might be a little slippery up here. But it, it starts to spill over. But it just doesn't spill over randomly. It can then spill over into the lives, I'll just start a new cup here, you know, into the lives of others. And, and, and daily we need to be filling ourselves up together in the word of God, individually and corporately. And as that happens, that moves into the next thing. It starts to spill over into the lives of other people around us. And as we connect, as we talked about um, in, in previous weeks, we talked about connecting with others in the body of Christ. And now, as you notice, one cup's getting a little bit more than the other. This isn't a perfect illustration, so we'll, we'll, we'll tilt it a little bit. But there's, there's a connection that ends up happening, that as we are abiding in Christ, the outflow of our life is that we are also then connecting with other brothers and sisters and that's one of the things we've been talking about and what we're going to talk about today we're going to talk about how do we connect one of those is is as we gather together it's what we're doing here to, together put that up on the screen it's gather time and uh, and another way that we connect as well is through our is through our group time and lord willing that's what will be talked about next week and and so what it is, is is that we need as we are being filled up through the power of the word of god in prayer and it spills the overflow of that spills into the lives of others we're connecting with god's family we believe that we are brought into the family of god and we are members of that body we all have a part and we are to encourage and we are to strengthen one another and, and it is vital that we are in relationship with, with one another. And, and, and one of the bold statements we made a few weeks ago is that a follower of Christ must engage with his family. You just can't be out on your own as a lone ranger. There's no such thing that we are brought into the family of God. We are all members of the body. You take and cut off a part of your body, uh, your finger, it no longer ceases to be a part of it. You have to get it attached back on before too long. Otherwise, that, that finger's going to die. And we need to be connected to one another um, in, in relationship with one another. And so, so that's a vital thing. You say, well, are you making this up? Is this a harvest thing? Um, no, God made this up. This is the way God has made and designed us. And it uh, is out of the outflow of my life that I connect with other believers. And other believers connect with me for encouragement, for, for, for growth, for for. Um, teaching and correction and and as we grow in our connection with others and as we talk and, and one of the ways we do that is as i mentioned is what we're going to talk about today in our gather time and um and then next week in our group time and then finally we'll get to the share that that we just cannot hoard our faith believers in christ we are to share our faith and and we do this in give time and in go time and, and again, just practical application of what God's word calls us to do. And so today, like we're going to do, uh, like we have been doing, we're going to do it again. We're going to make a pretty bold statement and encourage you, um, kids, I hope you have that written down and have those blanks filled in And because uh, we're going to go on to the next screen. And here's this bold statement, gather time, a love for God's family in gathered worship weekly. This is a commitment. This is something that, that we're serious about, and we're serious about it because we see it as a serious thing in the Word of God. And so why do we gather? Why are we here today? Have you ever thought about it, why you gathered here today? 
Well, here's one reason. This is probably not the first reason you would think of, but here's one of the reasons why we are here today. We gather because it is the practice of God's people in, in the Bible and throughout church history. This isn't a new thing. This isn't a North American thing that we meet on a Sunday morning. This has been happening for centuries. God's people gathering together for corporate worship. And, and it's gone on throughout the Old Testament. And, and we see in the Old Testament, the first time that we see God's people gathering together is after the Israelites were, were escaped, had, had escaped from Egypt from, from slavery there and they came together and they worshipped and, 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 and it was instituted that they have festivals and celebrations because rescued people celebrate, rescued people rejoice, rescued people remember what God has done and, and, and their whole worship system was, was tied in to remember the power and the greatness of God and so they started gathering together and, and l- look at this in Psalm 9 Hopefully you have it ready to go because we're just going to bullet through this. I mean, here we see Old Testament passage of gathered worship. Listen to this. Love it. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. And some of you do that. It's joyful and it's noise. And, and I often feel sorry. It's a good thing I sit at the front for worship uh, in most services. Last, on the weekend, I, w- I was towards the back. I'm sure I was killing the guys in front of me because what was coming out of my, my mouth was joyful. It was worship and it was a noise. And, and so I'm very biblical in that. And, and so are some of you. And, um, and you won't be on the worship band anytime. Soon, nor will I, but in heaven, I already am looking. I'm gonna have one awesome voice, I believe, because perfection, right? By that time, you know, like I'll be perfected. I cannot wait to be able to hit the high notes, hit the low notes, the medium, whatever, right? Okay, so okay, I got distracted here. Okay, so make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. We don't come with dragged out heart. Come with a thankful heart. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. Oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. For he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hand. What a picture we see here together of God's people gathered in the Old Testament. And we see this as God delivered his people from slavery and as he continued to deliver. And when they started to wander away from God and they started to pursue other gods, what ceased to happen? Worship. They quit worshiping. When they got right with God, when he pronounced judgment upon them and they got right with God, what was started up again? Worship. And they gathered together in corporate worship. We see this in the life of Christ. We see how gathering together with other, uh, with people who love God was a pattern in the life of Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 4, verse 16, it, it says there, he says, he, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. Now that word custom that you see there in scripture means that it was a lifestyle pa- practice or a pattern in his life. This was a regular ongoing thing in the life of Christ that he would gather together on the Sabbath in the synagogue and he would, would be there with others who loved 
the Lord, and he gathered with them. And Jesus then declared, love this verse, it is a motivation for, for church planting, it is a motiv- motivation for the church, it is the motivation for each one of us. When Jesus declared in Matthew 16, 18, he says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He instituted the church, he loved the church, he gave his life for the church, and he says, I will build my church. And one of the things we see that happens with the church is that they would gather. The church gathers. Throughout the course of the week, it's the church scattered. But on Sundays, on the Lord's Day, we see the pattern of God's people gathering together. And Jesus was passionate about the church. He gave his life for it. And we see this then after he ascended and as he sent the Holy Spirit, gave the, as the Holy Spirit was given on the day of Pentecost, and we see in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, verses 46 and, and, and 47, what did the early church do? They gathered. They gathered together. And, and in verse 46 it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Love those verses. Powerful verses. Verses where I say, oh, God, do it again. But what were they doing? They would attend the temple together. The Amplified Version, love how they they kind of piece it together. They really stretch out a verse and, and, and give you just a fuller understanding and meaning of it. It says, they regularly assembled in the temple with united purpose. And this was just a regular part of the early church. And all throughout church history, I was reading, um, heard, heard this week of Justin Martyr who, who wrote about, uh, I believe it was around 100 um, A.D. or 120 A.D., somewhere in there. And, and he wrote about how these Christians, these followers of Jesus Christ, how the church would gather together on the first day of the week, on being Sunday, and they would gather together and do what we are doing here. As we worship the Lord together, as there is teaching, as there's encouragement, as there's fellowship, he noted this as as a progression, and we've seen this for over 2,000 years. The people of God have made it a practice to gather weekly. And you see, there is something that can happen in such a powerful way when God's people gather together with united hearts and minds and purpose around the Word of God There can also be something really painful about the church gathered together when hearts and motives and purposes are not right. I think of all the places over the years where I've been able to gather together with God's people. I remember sitting in a a brick church building, fabulous structure, as a kid growing up, enjoyed being able to, to go to church there, but, but have been in, in churches with, with stained glass windows and with pipe organ, uh, a huge pipe organ and a grand piano. And, and when those things got pumping, boy, it was really pumping in there. Um, I, Charlotte and I were at a church service in Hawaii uh, on the beach uh, with hula dancers um, singing Jesus Loves Me. Now, it, w- it was graceful and it was decent, but it was weird, I, I must admit, to, to, to hear Jesus Loves Me to, to hula stuff going on, you know. And, uh, you know, uh, I've been worshiping with fellow believers under a tarp tent in Mexico, in warehouses, in movie theaters, in, in schools. And, and if we came up with a list of all the different 
places where, where we have gathered with God's people for worship in a gathering kind of a service, it would be, be astounding, the experiences that we've had with this. And, and, and I've been with probably as few as 20 people and as many probably as 3,000 people, perhaps even more than that. And, and, and even Friday night. And Saturdays, the men gathered together. I mean, it, it was powerful. It was amazing for, for 20 men here from, from, from Kelowna joining together with 1,400 other men in Oakville uh, from 166 different churches in the GTA area with a united purpose to, to come under the teaching of God's word and to lift high the name of Jesus together. And, and through technology, we were able to stream that and we were just able to enter into it. I mean, take a look at this. I mean, this is what we were doing on Friday night. Man, if you weren't there, this is what you missed. Let's show a little clip of this. Now, there's something powerful and amazing as you join together with, with fellow believers in this way, even over the miles as we're able to do things like this. And, and, and now, so you think, so is it legislated? Do we have to do this? Do we have to attend church weekly? I mean, are we, are we going to legislate this, this as far as this is what you have to do and you get a check mark if you're here or if you're not here? No, not at all. But what we are asking you here is we uncover and we dig into the 5G life is, is making a commitment, is, is strongly consider making that a commitment that, that you will, bar going to the hospital and having other um, good kind of reasons and, and different things, that, 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 that we take this gathering seriously. We just like, oh, no, yeah, yeah, no. You know, or, eh, maybe. You know, I'll, I'll see if the Spirit leads. Well, the Spirit's leading, and the Spirit's leading you to gather, to gather weekly together with one another. But no, it's not a legislative thing, but, but honestly, really believe that, that when our hearts are right and our theology in the Word of God, as we're seeing God's Word, and, and I trust that we build this out today, that, that our priorities will, will be right, that this is just a non-issue, that we will see the importance and the value of the commitment of gathering together weekly with fellow believers. And there's a reason, even biblically, in how we've been created. Is, as you go back to, um, to the Old Testament and you, you see through the created order that, that God set one day in seven. And we talked about that in a series as, as we talked about the Sabbath as we looked through the Ten Commandments some time ago. You can find that online. But God set aside a day for his people to gather together in worship. And there's something powerful and there's something amazing about that. And when we forego that, we miss it. And so we see this here from, from God's word. So, so, so it's like, okay, so why is it important? They, they did in the Old Testament. It's a biblical pattern. Why is it important? Why are we here this morning? 
And it'd be interesting if when you were coming in, if we would have had some, some little technology kind of thing, we wouldn't be far off from it. It's just you type in kind of the reason why you came to church this morning, and then without names, because we just wouldn't want to do that, and we just put it up on the screen. We would see people are here for various reasons, and, and, and some of them are good, and, and, and many of them, most of them, would probably be for very, very good reasons why we are here. But we need to think, why are we here? Why do we, we gather here this morning? Why do you come? to Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. Why are you here today? Is it because of the comfy seats? <laughs> well, I, that might be a bonus. Um, there, there was a guy at our church who, who at one point, this was a while ago, he put something on Facebook and a picture of, of our church here, and he says, the most comfortable seats in town. And uh, so then I thought, oh, I... I I ended up putting on there, yeah, seats might be comfortable, but the message isn't, you know, and, and uh, you know, we just want to just remind people that, that we're not here for, for, for comfort, um, but why are we here? Are we here for preaching? Are we here for the worship? Are we here for friendship or fellowship? Is it um, to get my spiritual batteries charged? I've been drained, I've been tired, and, and, and am I here to, to, to kind of get recharged? Am I here to get challenged? Am I here to learn? You know, coming with a learning, a questioning heart? Yeah, th- those are good. Is it because you align? Uh, you know what? This is a church that, 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 that you want to be a part of and you're excited about because you align with our doctrines and our statements and you say, yeah, this is good. I mean, all of those are good reasons. Maybe not the comfy seats part because you fall asleep too quickly in there and then I have to yell more and, and, and look for ways to keep you awake. But, but none of those are the ultimate reason or reasons why we gather. Good reasons, but not the ultimate, not the best. Maybe uh, you are here and, and uh, it's because you have to be here. You were dragged here. It's like, I didn't want to come today. And I heard of a, a dear wife who went on to wake up her husband one day. And she's like, you know, trying to get him out of bed and say, come on, it's time to get to church. Come on. You know, we've got to get moving. We've got to get going. He's like, give me three good reasons why I should go to church today. She says, well, it's good for you. You know, and second reason, you know, it's a good example for the kids. We need to be taking the kids to church. And third reason, you're the pastor, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and so, you know, good reason um, perhaps to go. But honestly, there are times, I'm sure for all of you, it's just like, oh, I don't want to go to church today. There are times, me as a pastor, like, oh, I don't want to go to church today. I just love to sit around and, you know, in my Crocs. You know, that kind of was a, a made a, a joke for uh, the guys that were free indeed. Uh, yes, I, I do have a pair of Crocs, two pairs of Crocs around our house, the cheap knockoff imitation kind even, just to even add insult to injury. But, you know, we'd just love to be able to relax and, and take it easy and, and, and that. And it's a commitment. It's a sacrifice for each one of us. And, and it's something that I trust that, that we fight through some of those, oh, I don't want to go to church today, but we see the importance of why we do this. There's also some really bad reasons and some, some false teaching, some bad teaching out there as to why we go to church. The, the wife of a false teacher of one of the largest churches in, in uh, North America made this statement a few years ago, and it went viral for a while and really didn't affect anything uh, by, by what she said. Um, but but she, she made this, this statement, and I quote, God takes pleasure when you are happy. Do good for your own self. When you are coming to church, you aren't doing it for God, Really? You're doing it for yourself because that is what makes God happy. Amen. And thousands yell out, Amen. Now, this might sound kind of nice and, and it received a great applause and, and, and people were, were saying Amen, but there's a problem with what she said, and that problem is the Bible. The problem is the Word of God. That's false teaching, that's wrong. 
It's misdirected. It's misguided. And, and instead of running for the doors, like people should have been at that point, they were saying, oh, give us more. Our itching ears. Tickle them. Tickle them. That's what we want to hear. So why do we gather? Well, we need to examine God's word. We need to, to look and, and, and see. And, and it's all throughout the word of God. And we're just going to look in one passage here in Hebrews chapter 10. And, and the first reason we gather, encourage you to write this down, uh, or I guess the second reason, but the first one from this passage is we gather because God is great. We gather because God is great. And oftentimes the reason that we attend church or choose a church is based on what is in it for me. We gather, one, we, gather we check out churches wondering, well, I like the music, is the preaching direct? <laughs> Not that direct. You know, don't want too much conviction. You know, uh, uh, or, or we choose churches like sometimes we choose a, a cruise line or a vacation package. You know, what amenities do I get for the best price? Um, you know, and, and really we've brought it down to this consumeristic idea of church, this I church, me church mentality, and and um, you know, getting our best bang for our buck kind of thing. You know, and um, is is that? why we gather is that's what is important. No, we gather together because God is great. Just love to read for you Psalm 50. Listen to what Psalm 50, it says, Praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with a lute and harp, praise him with the tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipes, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud clashing cymbals, let everything that has breath praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We're coming together to praise the Lord. Why? Because He is great and we express ourselves in all kinds of ways when it comes to our praise of the Lord. And notice that, that there is this worship in, in all through the Bible as we see worship, it's not a noun. It's a verb. It's an action. It's an activity. It's something we engage ourselves in. We don't just sit back and, and watch the verb happen up front or listen or watch others. It's, it's active. It's, it's, it's us getting involved in our worship through our voice, through, through our hands, through our minds, through our hearts, and and. and Believe it or not, as you come in here, you're not simply coming in to observe. You're not observing what is taking place here. You are not the audience. The audience is seated on the throne of heaven. And he, the Father, and the Son sitting on the right hand of the throne, they're the audience. They're the ones that we are singing. You are on stage. In fact, I was even thinking, I, I, I kind of joked with Shayon, I said, maybe we should have you guys at the back of the uh, theater here today. There's just not the room to be able to do that. You know, that, that, that these aren't the performers. They're not here for themselves to, to promote themselves. They're here to prompt us and to help us all to be worshipers. Worship is a verb. It's an activity. It's something that we engage in. So let's look here at, at Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 19, the first word, it says, therefore. And of course, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, what do you ask yourself? What is it? 
Therefore, yeah, you always have to answer that and, and, uh, or ask that question. And, and this passage up to Hebrews 10 verse 18 is a phenomenal, it's all phenomenal, but, but, but from chapter 1 right up to 10, 18 is a phenomenal portion of scripture with the glorious truth of the gospel. You get rich, thick doctrine and understanding and, and it's some of the deepest doctrine that you'll find in the word of God and the writer of Hebrews does that to lay the foundation for the remaining chapters in the book and so this is the turn point in the book as, as, as he's, he's writing us this letter and, and the basic theme of chapter from chapter 1 to chapter 10, verse 19, is this one statement. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than anything. Be- Jesus is better than anyone. And, and throughout those 10 chapters, he's, he's walking us through that. Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than the angels. He's better than Moses. He's the better high priest. Jesus is the mediator of a better covenant. And based on all of this, now it comes to verse 19 here. It says, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean, from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Oh, this amazing, amazing passage and it's all built on all of this and what it's telling us is here is because of Jesus, because Jesus being better and that Jesus is the atoning sacrifice for our sins when he died on the cross. His death, his resurrection three days later gives us the victory, gives us the power, the ability To worship him. And our response is worship. When Christ died, that veil that was inches thick, I think it was about a foot thick, 60 by 30 feet, this massive veil was torn in two because the flesh on the back of Jesus was torn. Jesus, because of the tearing that took place there on on his body, through his broken body, he became the sacrifice for us. When Christ died, the veil in the temple was torn in two. And the new veil is Christ. And he is the way to God. And we can have access to him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Listen to this. No church, no creed, no religious commitment, no desire to do better can save you. Only the miracle of God can save you. It's what Christ has done. In Christ, in his broken body and his shed blood, him dying for our sins and forgiving us, the debt of our sins have been canceled. And because of this, our response, our ability, we are able to draw near with true hearts in full assurance of faith. And his sacrifice was enough to satisfy the wrath of God. And because of this glorious truth, we see these three let us's here in, this, in, in these verses. And it says, let us draw near. We have direct, we have immediate access to God. And we gather together, why? Because God is worthy. Because of what Christ has done. We have a great God. We have a great God who saved us when we were not worthy. He came, he sent his son. And today... If you 
um, are in Christ. He has rescued you. He's rescued you. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the beloved Son. Colossians 1.13 tells us that. We are not saved, though, however, just to kind of just enjoy ourselves and, and, and to now just go on and live our merry little lives. The reason that we are saved, Ephesians 1 then just made it so clear in our, our Bible reading last night, if you're following the bookmarks, was, was just golden. Last night together as a family, as, as this was being read, as Clarice read, I'm like, what? I mean, just what a great reminder to us that the reason that, that we are saved is, to, is for the praise and the glory of his name. That's the reason we're saved, because God is great. That's the reason we gather, because God is great. And so we gather with passion and enthusiasm. And we can do this individually, and we should be doing this individually. But then we gather corporately to declare that he has rescued us. Rescued people worship, just like the Israelites and all throughout. We've been rescued from the dominion of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of the beloved Son. We worship, we gather together. And, and then it goes on in verse 23, it says, So we draw near, but then it says, But let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. The writer of Hebrews was writing this to Jewish believers who were discouraged. They were thinking of, some of them were thinking of going back to the old covenant, to the old ways, because they were facing trials, they were facing difficulty, persecution, they were being ostracized in business, ostracized even by family, because they had left the, the old ways and they were following Jesus. And, and so some of them were tempted to go back, and he's writing to them and saying, no, Jesus is better. Remember, don't, don't, don't go back there. Don't go back to those old ways. The veil was torn. Jesus transferred us into his kingdom. It's all through Jesus, what he has done for us. And, and so he's writing to them, draw near, draw close. You ever feel weary in your faith? You ever feel sometimes like maybe just wanting to give up? Just saying this is too hard? What's the use? And yet here we're saying, and he's writing to believers here, he's writing to a corporate body, he's writing to individuals, he's writing to each one of us, he says, hold up. Hold fast. Don't, don't let go. Jesus is better. God is great. And so we draw near because in Christ we have been cleansed and we hold fast to the truth of our confession. And we, hold, we do this by faith because there are times that, that it's hard and it doesn't make sense. And we, we hold fast to our confession, that confession that we have made, and we hold fast by faith. Remember, God is great. We gather together because God is great. And then next we see we gather because I need you and you need me. God has created this institution called the church. But it's not a building. It's, it's a family. It's a living organism. And we are members of his body. And, and we gather together because we need one another. Look at in verse 24 and 25 and says, let us, another let us statement, consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of son, some, but encouraging one another. You see, we are responsible for one another. You're responsible for people in this room who you don't even know. But in the bond of Christ, in the body of Christ, we are responsible for one another. I need you, and you need me. Turn, turn, turn to, to people beside you 
And if it's a family member, lean over and say it to somebody who's not a family member. And you can say it to a family member, but say it to others. I need you and you need me. Go ahead, say it right now. Come on, say it. Shout it ahead to, to, to the people up, behind, up in front of you. Come on, shout it out. I need you, you need me. Okay, turn around. Come on, some of you needed some aerobics here. Turn around, come on. Right on. Amen, that's right. We need one another. That's the body of Christ. And we are responsible for one another. And the church is not like going to the grocery store and, and simply running in and getting what you need and running out. It's the total opposite of that. We need, it, here it says, consider how to stir up one another. Now the negative form of that word, and sometimes I might be accused of that, is to irritate. And... Um, but the positive form of that is to provoke, to encourage, to giddy up. Come on, let's go. And we are to think about, we are to consider how we are to stir up one another. That's not just a pastor's job. It's pretty clear. That's for all of us. How do we stir up one another? How do we provoke one another to love and good deeds? Have you ever been sitting around a fire and and, and, you know, it's been burning brightly, but then after a little bit, it starts to go down and down, and next thing, it's just, just embers. Well, what happens when you get down low and you get down to the bottom of that fire and you, you start blowing on it? It's, whoof, there's new burn. There's a, the fire's built, and that harder you blow, woof, even more so. That's pretty cool how that happens. And in the same way, that is what we are to do with one another. That is what we are to do as the body of Christ. As, as we read earlier um, in our worship in, in Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell in you richly. That's why we preach the word. That's why we desire to stick to the word. Not look at all other people's ideas and philosophies. And, and, and that's why uh, very rarely I would ever hope that you hear me say, well, here's the, well, I hope you never hear me say this. Here's the word of God. And then I close it and say, and here's what I think. That is happening today in churches. And at times we will give our interpretation of it, but it's got to, Scripture interprets Scripture. And so as we go through the Word of God, we need to be letting the Word of God dwell in us richly, personally and corporately. That's why we're kind of amped up about the Word of God. That's why we talk about proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology. Because we believe there's power in the Word of God. And then it goes on and it says, as you teach and, and admonish, there's that kind of encourage, provoke, come on, one another. And sing songs and hymns and spiritual songs. This is your spiritual act of worship. We stir up one another. This is how we encourage the body of Christ. But also we, we have a picture in Romans that, Romans chapter 12, that, that we do this with a surrendered heart. We do this with a heart of humility as we consider others, as we serve one another. We gather because God is great and because he is worthy. And we gather together to encourage and bless and provoke one another. We can't neglect this. This is so important. And you see, failure to commit to this form of worship, to this kind of a gathering, is, is, is a failure um, 
on, on our behalf to, to commit to, to the body of Christ and to what God's word calls us to do and to be. And so we're to provoke and we are to bless and we are to encourage one another and we can't neglect this. And as we show up, encourage that even, even for this to, to transform your thinking, we're not showing up and saying, oh, I bless me, pastor. I trust you're gonna bless me today. But you're walking in here and saying, who can I bless? Who can I encourage? When you're walking out in the parking lot, when you're getting out of the car, be praying a prayer. Oh, Lord, may, the, may there be someone I can bless, that I can encourage, that I can stir up. Maybe, maybe their spiritual batteries are, are, are getting drained or, or the fire is, is kind of fading in their life. And, and may I be just, you know, make sure you have breath mints, you know, just that, that your breath to them would, would, would breathe life and, and woof, be an encouragement to them. You can do this. We ought to do this. And this can happen before the service, after the service, in the lobby, looking for those who are standing alone, someone who you don't know. Go over and talk to them. Take an interest. Maybe you have an opportunity to pray with them. God will probably give you an opportunity to even share with someone as you take this kind of mentality into a a gathering on a Sunday morning. There will be opportunity for you to share what you've been learning in your God time. It's amazing the way God prepares you through his word, for what you will be facing in the days ahead. Encourage one another. But again, this is being done in humility, thinking of others more than ourselves. And these are just a few of the ways that we can stir up one another. And, and, and we need to realize we are responsible for the body of Christ. We're responsible for one another. You say, well, I'm new. Hey, this is something that, that, that every one of us can be a part of, something that we can do. You can say, I'm shy. Yeah, you know what, and, 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 and yet with that poking, that prodding, here I am, I'm stirring you up, I'm provoking you. Look for someone. Look for someone that you can encourage, that you can stir up. Maybe it's somebody who you know is going through a hard time. Throughout the course of the week, you can do that as, as you get to know people in your small group. As, as through through the, the sharing time at the, the end, you hear and you know that there are certain things going on in, in, in a friend's life, in, in, in a person's life, and you can encourage, you can stir them up, you can... Uh, just give them a word of scripture. You can, can pray with them. We're responsible for one another. Romans 12 says, love one another with brotherly affection. This is talking to the church. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And Hebrews 2.10 declares that saving faith results in good works. That when we are saved, it, it, it's going to result. The, the side effect the, the result, the overflow of our salvation, of our abiding in Christ, is it will overflow in good works towards others. And in Galatians 6, 9, and some of you might be saying, oh, but I'm tired. I'm tired. And this means there's others who need to come along and step in and serve and look for opportunities to serve. But even for those of you that are serving, that get tired, that get weary, yes, there's times that rest is needed, but we also just need to remind ourselves in Galatians 6, 9, it says, let us not grow weary in doing good. For in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good for everyone, especially to those who are in the household of faith. Shayon uh, gave me this quote um, just uh, towards the end of the week, something he came across. It says, The goal of our gathering isn't to have a bunch of individual encounters with God. It is to glorify God by building up each other, by building each other up and build each other up by glorifying God. And when we are... Our intent is to come to glorify God through our gifts, through our service, through our worship, 
through giving him our hearts and our lives, it, it has an effect on those around us. And the goal of our gathering isn't just to have a bunch of individual encounters with God. It's to glorify him. And so our gathering is supremely, firstly, God-oriented. We are here, as we are singing at the start of the service, we're here for you. We're here for you, God. And then secondly, it's sacrificially others-oriented, considering the needs of others. This is God's wonderful design, and, and, and the question is, though, are we willing to humble ourselves in this way? Are we, we, we ready to, to shoulder the load, to help out in these ways? And, and this at times mean, means being vulnerable. Even, even last night, I was, I was tired, I was weary, I was, I was just like, oh man, i got to preach. And to dear friends, some of them here in our church and others in, in other provinces, just sent a quick text message and said, hey, would love for you to pray. Would you pray that my God time Sunday morning would prepare me for this gather time so that together we can have a God time here together as the body of Christ. Well, would you pray for me? That, that wasn't easy to do. I didn't enjoy doing that. It's kind of like, oh man, you're a pastor, you should have... No, I'm a man. I'm a man who, who struggles. A man who gets tired and weary and, and I need you. And you need me to do what God has called me to do and to be, but you are to do the same for one another. And so we serve one another in that way. When that is happening, this opens up the floodgates of God's power and his presence to show up collectively and corporately and individually in our lives in, in just a beautiful way. And, and God does something special in our midst when you have people who are wired in, who are a, just, just amped up for this. Now, I don't know if any of you have noticed what, what happened over there, but you'll see that, that top cup kind of got a little... It got, got drained out. And you know, and that's what happens to us. We get tired, we get weary, and, and we get drained out. And, and that's why, again, we come to the Lord. That's where our abide time, that's where our God time is. We spend time together. We, we get charged up again, and as we're getting charged up, we're able to, to, to encourage and build up one another as we connect together with the body of Christ. But then what ends up happening? There's this lower level here. As this is happening, as, as I'm being filled up and as, as I'm taking what God is doing in my life and, and, and it's being poured into the lives of others and others are pouring into me because then there's times where I'm down here uh, you know, and, and, and others are pouring into my life through, through that connection, through gather, as we're gathering together on a Sunday morning and we're serving one another, the world takes notice. And we see this lower level here and, 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 and we see lost people are saying, what's going on? How these people love, how they care, how they serve one another. There's something unique. There's something different about it. Why? Because we are abiding and then we are connecting with one another and it flows out into a powerful gospel message that we have. And the world takes notice of people who put God first and others second. And we see Lost people getting saved. The presence of God shows up in our midst, in our lives. And so, we gather because I need you and you need me. And fourthly, we gather because of the glorious future that awaits. Look what it says here, just the end of verse 25. It says, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Wouldn't you agree that the days are bad? They're evil. 
We see the mess, we see what's going on, and, and we just continue to see things continue to slide and so much instability in, in, in our world, and, and, and it's just such a mess, and, and we can get fearful, or we can look at our own possessions, or we can look at our bank accounts, or we can look at, at, at all of these different things. We can look at our health condition, we can look at, 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 at various things going on in our lives, and, and we have to realize this world, it's not our home it, as, as believers in Christ. This world is not our home. And so our future isn't here. Our future is in heaven. And it talks about as we see the day, the day, the day, the day that the Lord returns. Or the day that we pass from this earth and we see him face to face. Let's remember, life isn't about possessions. It's not about houses and cars. You won't find your fulfillment in any of these things. It will only come through Christ. It won't be in our portfolio or our accomplishments or our entertainment or our hobbies or our sports. It's going to leave you empty. Every day that goes by, we are closer to the return of Christ. And we, regardless how we look at it, whenever the Lord returns, we are closer, each one of us, to our own eternity. And when we see the face of Christ, all the things here won't matter except for this, and I came across this poem, I've heard it years ago, found it again this week, by a guy by the name of C.T. Studd. Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one, soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day, my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And that poem has a few more stanzas to it. But we gather because God is great, and we commit to gathering together to worship our great God. And we gather for one another. And as we come in with those hearts and those attitudes, God shows up in our lives he does something in our bodies, in our, in, in our spirits. He does something collectively within us. And as we gather for that purpose, and we see that God is worthy, he shows up. And ask the band to come up, and we're going to sing a song as, as a prayer. Just ask you to remain seated. They're going to sing this over us. And that this would be a song, perhaps, of confession in our own hearts as we look at even our reasons for worship and, and that God would do a transforming work in our lives in this area even today.